Well, God is good. Amen. How many are thankful for the Word? Yeah, yeah. Uh, The Word of God is so, uh, well, it's interesting to me, but, you know, the the Word, it it says some some warm, fuzzy things, we might like to say. You know, it talks about how God loves us, and He cares for us, and He watches over us, and then there's some corrective things in there, too, right? Um, So we take all the Word of God, and we're thankful for it, because the whole instruction of the Word is what changes our lives and helps our lives. Amen? Um, I was... I actually opened up my Bible the other day, and this scripture kind of jumped off the page at me. I like when that happens. I don't know about you. Um, We don't always base our life on the first scripture we read for the day or, or things like that. But if you would this morning, um, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to read this verse, and we're actually not going to preach. The message isn't about this verse, but uh, it's what got me to the message, this verse, if I could say it that way. So let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. I'm going to pray, Father, thank you for your help this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for helping us to deliver the words that you would have to be said, the the message that you would have to burn in our hearts this week. We thank you for it today. We're grateful for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says this, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. What does that mean? It means sometimes when you talk to people who don't know Jesus yet, who don't know God, who don't understand this Bible or why we would be excited about coming to church. When you talk to people like that, it's almost as if when you're trying to share Jesus or talk about how good God is, it's almost as if you're speaking a foreign language to them. Um, I was in the store the other day and there there was people speaking a different language. Um, I didn't understand anything they were saying, right? Uh, I, I just didn't understand anything. And, and there's that communication barrier because there was two different languages going on. The word of the cross, or we could just say anything we talk to somebody about having to do with our Christian walk or our relationship with Jesus, to other people that don't know him yet, it's folly. What, what, what's folly? It's just foolishness. It just it doesn't make sense to them. And um, and it says, but but for us who are being saved, it's it's 
the power of God. It is so valuable to us who know him. And yet it's, it's as if when you're talking to someone else, they have no idea what you're talking about or what you mean. And if we're not careful as Christians, we can just write them off. Meaning, well, you just don't understand or you'll never understand. We must be careful about how we approach others because the word tells us they don't understand because they don't know God yet. And you might think, well, well, how are they going to know God unless they understand? Exactly. Exactly. It's our job to uh, reach out to them with the love of God and actually um, talk to God about how do we reach these people? How do we get past their mind that only under, uh, doesn't understand what we're talking about, that only sees or, or, or looks at folly or foolishness? How do we get past that to their heart, to their spirit, so that they can have the light of God shed on their, on their spirit and they can see, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need what you have. I need Jesus. And uh, what happened when I read this verse um, is something rose up on the inside of me. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. And what I, what, when that jumped off the page to me, what happened on the inside, what rose up on the inside was something that we're going to minister on today. And that, that word is compassion. Mm -hmm. Compassion. Yeah. How are we going to touch people who think what we're talking about is foolishness? It's going to take compassion. Yes. It's going, and when, uh, when I was saying that, it's, when I read that verse, I say this, something rose up within me. What is that? That's God's love on the inside of me. That's God wanting to touch those that are outside of my normal Amen. sphere, those, those that don't yet know what I know. And it's not just talking about those who um, aren't yet born again, but, but those who might not understand that Jesus is also their healer, that he's their provider. In any area where, where someone is lacking knowledge of the word, uh, at first, when they hear the word, it might be folly to them. It might be foolishness. They might not understand all that, that we are preaching. But if we can get past their mind and reach their heart, reach their inward man, that's where God can touch them. God can reveal to them. God can open up their eyes to see and to know. And so, if we can this morning, we're going to look at some scriptures about, about the Lord Jesus. He is our prime example of how to move in this, uh, this flow of compassion. Yeah. Uh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to look at several scriptures this morning. The, the word has a lot, and it's so interesting to me. I mean, it points out many, many times when Jesus was, the Bible says, moved with compassion. Mm-hmm. He was moved, moved with compassion. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. But verse 36, it says he had compassion. He had compassion. Why? Something moved in him when he saw what? He saw the, the crowd of people, they were harassed and helpless. Now, I'm going to tell off on myself. Most of the time when I see someone in that state, just in the natural, I'll either look the other way, in the natural, you know, just, just Amy, right? Without the love of God, you, you, you tend to turn your, you know, you try not to see, right? Try to, try to look, say, oh, I didn't see that, no, 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 you know, I'm just going to go about my day. Or you think to themselves, well, if they had known better, if they had done better, they would be where I am. And we all have to guard ourselves against that attitude. I mean, Jesus looked at this crowd, and what did he, the, the first thing that said he was moved with compassion. They were harassed. They were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. In the, the Amplified translation of this, uh, uh, verse 36, it says, when he saw the throngs... That's a lot of people, right? A throng. When he saw the throngs, he was moved with pity and sympathy for them. Now, that word compassion, our, our English, uh, we have very few good words to translate, you know, or to, to compare compassion. So the Bible, you know, the Amplified it talks about pity and sympathy, which... Uh, Compassion is actually more of a spiritual movement than it is just an emotional movement. But, but it is sim- very similar to this idea of pity and sympathy because they were, look at this, they were bewildered. The things of God were folly to them. They were bewildered. They were harassed and distressed and dejected and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, guys, these were just normal people that were coming to hear him, that were coming to uh, have hands laid on them to be healed. They were, they were coming with needs, yes, but they were normal people like you and I. Yeah. 
I mean, we're not talking about uh, just the, like the people in prison or, you know, we're not talking about the, the worst people in society. This was just throngs. There was multitudes of people coming to see him. And what he saw was just not your average person. He saw, he saw, he saw people harassed. He saw helplessness. He saw people distressed. What was that? He was looking at them. He was looking inside of them, if we yes. could say that. He was looking to the inside, not their outward facade that says, I'm really okay. Everything's good. I, I don't need Jesus. I don't need the word. I don't need your Christianity. He looked beyond the facade into their hearts and said, oh, you're helpless. You're, you're, you're dejected. You need help. <laughs> and we've got, we've got to want to be able to move in. And, and when we see people realize spiritually where they're at. I'm going to read this, uh, this phrase to you in the Weiss translation, which we don't have up here on the screen. But it says, having seen the crowds, he was moved with compassion. How many times have we heard that phrase so far? Moved with compassion concerning them because they were exhausted by their troubles mm -hmm. and, their and their long aimless wanderings had th uh, they, they, they were aimless they were wandering around aimless they had no goal and this is what Jesus saw it said they, th they threw themselves to the ground in an utterly prostrate condition as sheep having no shepherd they, they were in trouble. And here's the thing. The people we meet every day are in the same condition. And Jesus allowed himself to see what God saw. Mm -hmm. And we, as his followers, are to see the way God sees. Yes. And that is with this flow of compassion. There have been times where I've just, I, I've been fellowshipping with the Lord throughout the day and just going about my daily business. There's been times where I'll just sit in a parking lot and watch people come in and come out. And I practice looking at them the way God sees them. And that flow of compassion rises right up. Lord, they, they need you. They need a shepherd. They need strength in their bodies. They need peace for their minds. And you'll, if we practice these things, start looking at people the way God sees them, this flow of compassion will take us to amazing places. Compassion, how many times has it said he was moved with compassion? It moves us. Yes. Compassion moves us past our personality, it moves us past our comfort zone, it moves us past who we are in the natural, and it presses us saying, I don't care what it takes, you need to know him, you need his help, and I'm going to bless God, I'm going to do whatever it takes with the leading of his spirit to help you in this situation. Compassion. 
It is a powerful force. Now, compassion moves us. It moves us to do something. And we're, we're right here in uh, Matthew 9, right? The first thing we see in this passage, um, he saw the crowds, and in verse uh, 37, he turns to his disciples after he sees these crowds, he turns to his disciples and he says, the harvest. That's what he saw when he saw all those people dejected. The harvest. He said, it's plentiful, but the laborers are few. So he turns to his disciples and he says, therefore, pray earnestly. One of the things compassion will move us to do, pray earnestly. It puts us in a position of prayer that, uh, unlike any other position, where, where that compassion, Lord, help me help them. Yes. Lord, how do I help them? Lord, how can we touch their life? It puts us in a place when we're moved with compassion, it will bring us to our knees, so to speak. We'll start talking to the Lord about the people that we meet. We're moved with compassion. So one of the things compassion does, it moves us to pray. This, this um, same account, but in a different, uh, different uh, book, in Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, verse 34, let's look there. So one of the things compassion does, it moves us to pray. Mark 6, verse 34, it says this, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had, what? Compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to what? To teach them many things. Another thing that compassion will do is move you to teach. Lord, how, how can I help them? How can, what, what scripture can I, can I uh, show them? What, how can I teach them more about you? This is not necessarily just talking about somebody who stands in a ministry pulpit, right? This is compassion will move us to want to teach others about Jesus, Amen. about who he is and about what he's done in our lives and what he can do in theirs. Remember that the things of God are folly to those who are without. And there's something that's, there's, there's a gap between us and them. And something needs to fill that gap. And that gap, uh, the only thing that can fill that has to be God. It has to be supernatural. It has to be a flow from him. And compassion will get us to the hearts of men. Yes. Amen. It will get us there. So it will, it will, compassion will cause us to pray earnestly. Mm-hmm. It will cause us to want to teach. And, and again, that doesn't mean you get up in a pulpit necessarily, and it doesn't mean you get preachy with people, if you know what I mean by that, right? right. But it means you're constantly looking to the Lord, Lord, how can I help teach them? How can I show them a better way? How can we reveal this to them? Praise the Lord. Matthew 14, verse 14. We're going to go to several scriptures here. That's not going to hurt us this morning. Matthew 14, verse 14. 
says, when Jesus went ashore, he was always going ashore. He, he liked those boat cruises. He liked those boat cruises. Uh, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. Here we are again. And what did he do? He had compassion on them. And what did he do? He healed their sick. Compassion is a huge element in the flow of healing, the power of God. Compassion will move people to lay hands on the sick and command that sickness to come out. Why? Because you start to see things the way God sees them. And God does not want any of his creatures to be distorted with sickness and disease, to be, to be bound with that. And that, that flow of compassion, when you start to see that human body the way God sees that human body, he created you to be perfect and the enemy's trying to take advantage of someone, and that compassion will flow on the inside of you to reach out, to lay hands on the sick, to deliver the power of God. And we'll see this over and over as I read about past men and women of God, that the compassion of God moved them to a flow of healing and the flow of power. I mean, Jesus reached out and touched the lepers, right? Last I knew, you weren't supposed to touch a leper. Matter of fact, they moved all the, the lepers in, in this time out into a different place. They weren't, they weren't supposed to be anywhere near people. How did Jesus get there? He was moved with compassion, and he didn't want people to have to deal with that stuff. So he touched where other people wouldn't. Amen. Compassion moves you past what you think you shouldn't do. Yeah. It takes you to places mm -hmm. you wouldn't naturally go. John Lake, when he was in Africa, he would talk about how there was um, the, the bubonic, bubonic, bubonic plague was uh, this breakout where anyone who came near anyone else with that disease, even at death, even after they had died, you could still contract that disease. John Lake walked right in the middle of that village, started praying for people to be healed. He took the dead and buried them because nobody else would touch them. He never, ever got that disease. Why? Because he, he was doing things out of compassion. He was moved with compassion, and that compassion, that power, protected him as well as moved him into places to touch and to deliver God's healing power. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. So compassion, it, yes, it will move us to pray, but it will move us to do other things, to try and teach someone. It will move us to lay hands on the sick and command that sickness to go. It will... It will uh, it will help us to flow in the power of God at his direction. Yes. Amen. Mark 8. Mark 8. Hallelujah. Compassion. It is, a, and it is such an important component of our life here in ministering to others. Praise God. Oh, I wish other people were here to hear this this morning. Mark. 
Mark, what did I say? At chapter 8? Okay, Mark chapter 8. Uh, we can start in verse 1. It says, In those days when again a great crowd had gathered. Man, he had the crowds, didn't he? And they had nothing to eat. He called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now three days and have had nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And of course, we know the story. The disciples argue, kind of argued back with Jesus and said, uh, what are we supposed to do about this, right? We only have a little bit of food. We don't have very much. How are we supposed to feed everybody? And it's just amazing that he directs the crowd to sit down in verse 6, and he took seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. They set them before the crowd. They only had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them, and they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. Compassion yes. brought forth mir miraculous provision. Yes, it did. Compassion will put you past, well, I don't really have enough in my bank account to bless somebody else with that. Talking to me. Compassion, compassion for people. Compassion for those that are around you will cause you to bless, to ask for God to provide in ways that you would have never even thought of on your own. Compassion moves you to the miraculous. Compassion moves you into the miracle flow of God's power. Why? Because you're all, now all of a sudden you're seeing the way God sees. You're seeing their hearts. You're seeing their needs. You're seeing their suffering. You're seeing their distress. And you're in a flow of what God wants for them. And you tap into his flow by stepping out in compassion. And God's power meets you. His miraculous power meets you. And all of a sudden, the bread starts multiplying. And the fish starts multiplying. And there's just enough. No, not just enough. There's more than enough. Amen. Why? Because he stepped into a flow of compassion. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. We don't have time here, but it also talks about how compassion will move you to forgive. Compassion will move you to forgive people that in your natural self, you never would. But because you see them through God's love, you see them the way God sees them, and you have compassion on why they did what they did. Yeah. It might have been dumb. It might have been stupid. Yeah. They might have known better. Yeah. But compassion will cause you to forgive them the way Jesus right. forgave us. That's right. Wow. 
Compassion is powerful. Compassion moves you to where God can use you. Compassion moves you to where God can use you. It, It presses you past yourself. It moves you into the realm of the miraculous. It moves you into God's ways. Praise the Lord. One more. Can we look at one more? Luke, Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. I want to flow with God's compassion. How about you? Amen. This, now, now remember, this is not human emotion. This is not just pity. This is not just natural sympathy, like I'm sorry that happened to you. That's not bad to have sympathy for someone, right? But this is different. Sympathy just says, I'm sorry that happened, and they move on. Or, I'm sorry for your loss, here's a casserole. Right? Right? Casserole's not bad. (laughs) We'll always receive that. Um, but, but, But that's where it stops. Compassion says, Oh, Lord, that shouldn't have happened in their life. They, they, need, they need help. How do we get your flow of power to raise them up out of that problem, out of that situation, to where they're blessed, free, delivered, happy, full of joy? Mm. Luke chapter 7. I didn't get there. You guys did. Hallelujah. Matthew, Mark, Luke. You know, um, I told you that that one verse kind of springboarded this this whole uh, message in 1 Corinthians there. I read that and then just verse after verse started coming out about about his compassion. I just wrote them all down really quick. Luke chapter 7, verse verse 11, it says this, Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd was with him. He always had a crowd. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and he touched the beer, the casket, and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up. And began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. And it says, fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. What moved Jesus into this flow of miraculous power? Compassion. Over and over, for miracles of provision, for healing, 
for raising people, bringing things back from the dead. It was compassion that the Bible points out. Over and over and over, Jesus knew how to move in this flow of compassion where he was seeing the hearts of people the way God saw them, the way his father saw them. And he starts, he sees things like, I only do what I, I, I see my father do. I only say what I hear him say. Why? Because he was so attuned to how God saw people and how God wanted people to be ministered to. He moved in this flow of compassion in a way above anyone else that I know of. And he had results above anyone else that I know of. Amen. Right? But listen, this, he didn't do this because he was Jesus, he was God. He did this because he tapped into this flow of compassion where he walked around constantly looking at people through the Father's eyes, with the Father's heart, and constantly talking to the Father about those he met and how I can best reach them when they think all this is folly, when they don't understand what's going on. Praise God, his compassion can touch people when nothing else will. Hallelujah. So I said that was the last scripture, but I lied. I apologize for lying. And we're just going to look at one more, and that's Colossians 3, verse 12. This wasn't just something that Jesus did. This wasn't just something that Jesus flowed in. This is for all of us as his body to flow in. We can go past ourselves, past our flesh, past our natural abilities, past our own ability to do something, and we can go into the flow of God's power, God's love, God's healing, God's miraculous power and cause things to happen in other people's lives that would have never happened if we didn't step in with what we know and flow with what we have and change situations and allow light to come to their lives. Colossians 3.12 says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, patience, and it goes on. We don't have time to look at the rest of it, but it's all good. Put on compassionate hearts. What does that tell me? It means I can put it on or I can keep it off. And I know for myself, I have to make myself think about these things. I have to make myself look to him. I have to sit in a parking lot once in a while and just watch people until that compassion starts to flow. I have to, when we walk around the airport today, I need to uh, do more than try to just get past the crowd to get to my gate. I need to start looking into not just their faces, but into their hearts and realizing there's a whole world that needs to know Jesus. And there's a whole lot of people that know Jesus but don't know how good he really is. Yes. Yeah. Amen. And this flow of compassion, this doesn't 
hinder our lives. It doesn't bring us down. It doesn't make us walk burdened over like, oh, the, the world is weighing on our shoulders. No, Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the, one, the healer. Jesus is the miracle worker. We're the ones that just deliver the power that people need as we're moved with this flow of compassion as God moves through our hearts. But he cannot, don't think that just one day you're going to wake up and decide, I'm going to go down to the hospital and pray for that, uh, you know, my aunt, and she's going to raise up. Don't think that's just going to happen. We have to put on compassionate hearts. We have to turn our hearts to God every day. We have to practice looking at people the way God sees them. And then as we start tapping into that flow of compassion, it'll get stronger and stronger and stronger to the point where you'll come out of places and say, wow, I didn't even know I knew that when I said that to that person. I didn't even know that that power, the healing power would be in my hand when I ministered. And, and you come out of places going, God, that was you. And God will say, thank you for flowing in compassion. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Oh, praise God. Compassion will teach. Compassion will heal. Compassion will pray. Compassion will provide. Compassion will forgive. Compassion will raise the dead. Compassion will move you into the miracle flow. Father, thank you. Thank you for this flow of compassion. Teach us, Father. Help us to see people the way you see them. Show us how you want to minister to those that are around us. And thank you for the opportunity to do your work here on the earth. We love you, Lord. We magnify you today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You're dismissed.